Oh my goodness. Well, I know people say the cross equals love, but I, I also think cornerstone equals fire. God is moving in this place. It doesn't it feel good to just be in God's presence. I was, I was telling, uh, Pastor Tim, Pastor Rhonda, just how, how much, how alive the presence of God is in this place. And, uh, oh my goodness, what an amazing presence of God. So, so good. And um, maybe uh, some of you guys uh, have heard some of these stories, but I, I just got to, I just got to tell you a little bit about um, uh, me trying to date uh, the pastor's daughter. I'm just going to open with this. Okay. So we're, we're, um, throwing a curveball here, but I remember, you know, I wanted to be a man of honor. Any ignited people in the house? I know some of them are somewhere in the dance team. Okay. So I remember I wanted to be a man of honor. So I said, I, I wanted to call and ask for permission to date the pastor's daughter. You know, I had, I had to call the dad. And so I remember calling him on the phone and said, Hey, pastor Tim, I was so nervous. I said, can I date your daughter? And I, I said a little bit more than that, but this was his response. He says, well, does she want to date you? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I hope so. I don't, I don't know. I, I hope so. But I remember um, this is such a man of God right here. I remember that I, I was actually nervous during convention services. We've been, do, been doing these for a long time. I was nervous that he was going to hear from the Lord and the Lord was going to tell him, Hannah, you need to break up with that young man. So I'm literally pleading with the father to not speak to you, to tell her to dump me, and I'm telling you, but just what an incredible uh, just uh, man of God. And, and I, I just want you to know, Pastor Tim and Pastor Rhonda, they're our pastors. It's, an import, it's important for pastors that have pastors, and they're still our pastors, and we just absolutely love them, and uh, oh my goodness, I just want to give it up for Pastor Luke as well, and I was thinking about this today. Yeah, come on. I was thinking about this today. I believe that I've known you for 24 years, 24 years, and I have seen him uh, from a young man grow up and he is, uh, you're a man of integrity. You are a man of character. You have been, uh, tested in the fire and man, this is pure gold. Come on, thro- come on, come on, come on, Cornerstone Church. I mean, I love you. I love you so much and just so excited and proud of the man that you are. And my goodness, uh, I- I'm excited for tonight. Um, we're going to, we're going to pick up right where we left off. And we're going to dive into this story. And as I mentioned earlier, I feel like my pastoral alarms are going off right now. And it's because of the dry and the weary season that we've been walking through over the last 14 months. And I'm concerned about how the desert season could be taking root in people. We talked a little bit about that this morning. And I I feel like a lot of times what's happening is people are becoming a chameleon to their circumstances. They're becoming a chameleon to the culture. They're taking on anger. They're taking on offense. They're taking on anxiety. And, um, you know, I just know that the effects of living dry are absolutely devastating. You know, this was, I want to say this is a, a, a long time ago, but um, I had a car that was leaking oil. And I, uh, you know, took it in, see how much it was going to cost. It was going to cost a lot of money, a lot more money than I had. You understand what I'm saying? I said, it's going to be a lot cheaper for me to just keep pouring oil in this thing. So I'd leak all over every driveway I went to. And, uh, and so 
I'm leaking. I, I'm literally just pouring out oil everywhere. And, and so I just kept filling it up. It was cheaper. I'm just going to keep filling this thing up until there was a, a, a period of time where I forgot to continue to fill it up. And so I remember we're in Denver and, and I'm driving this thing and the engine literally blew up. I blew the engine. I was right by Krispy Kreme. Pastor Luke, I remember I was by Krispy Kreme and I blew the engine. And, but here's the thing. If, when you stop getting filled, it's going to devastate your life. And I just love this idea a personal revival because this is the exact thing that is going to push against this dry season. The thing that the enemy is trying to is really suck the life out of Christians right now in this moment. And so tonight I want to talk in this very last service here, unlocking personal revival. I want to talk about unlocking personal revival. And we're going to continue to look at Exodus 15. We're going to continue this story, finish the story. And I want to reread a little bit of what I read this morning. It says this in verse 22. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding water. And when they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Marah, which means bitter. And friends, I want you to know that bitterness is anything that will steal your refreshing and so I, I feel like there's a, a temptation right now to live with bitterness, to live dry, to be dying of thirst on the inside. In verse 24, it says, then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. And watch this. So Moses cried out to the Lord. Watch this part for help. He cried out to the Lord for help. What Moses was saying is this, God, I need you. He was saying, I I need you. See, humility causes us to cry out to the Lord for help. Instead of frustration and anger and taking on the offenses of what's going on right now in society. And so the people, again, they're crying out. They're crying out in, in disunity and complaining and a lack of faith. But Moses is saying, God, I need you. Help. And Moses is speaking this way. I want you to know that God can do something with that. God can do something with a heart like that. So number one, unlocking personal revival, number one is humility is the key to the inheritance. Humility is the key to the inheritance, the inheritance, the revival, the fresh spring that I believe that God wants to give us on the inside. In Matthew chapter five, verse five, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, and he says this, God blesses those who are, hello somebody, humble. God blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the whole earth. Humility is the key to the inheritance. You see how Moses was crying out to the Lord for help. He's got this humility on the inside of us. And I know that in this season, if we want personal revival, it's not going to come with spiritual pride. It's not going to come from us thinking that we have it all together. It's not going to come from us saying, well, we've read that scripture before. I've heard, I've sung that song before. I've, I've, I've read that Bible before. I've heard that sermon before. That's not who God's going to pour out his spirit on. He's going to pour out a spirit on somebody who's got a heart that is humble, who is hungry. Hello, Cornerstone, who is, who is humble, who is hungry. And I, 
I, I think this is true, but spiritual maturity is not knowledge acquisition, rather practical application. And let me just say that again. Spiritual maturity is not knowledge acquisition, rather practical application. And so knowledge acquisition leads to pride. It can lead to pride and, and uh, can lead to religion and, and just being religious. I remember uh, when I was going to Oral Roberts University and there would be people going to study they wanted to be in the ministry. They're, they're in Bible college studying the Bible, but they wouldn't go to church on Sunday. And so I, I just got to tell you that if they ever invite me to preach at ORU, they're only going to invite me once. They're not going to invite me back because I'm going to have a tendency to just lay into those students so hard. It's going to be great for me, but bad. I'm never going to be invited back. But there's something in me that, that hey, if, if you're going to be st- if you're going to be studying the word of God and you're going to be going after this, it's not just about accumulating knowledge. It's not just about what you know. I, I got to ask you something. Wasn't it the religious leaders that put Jesus on the cross that knew a couple things? Hello, somebody? You guys remember this. So it's not just knowledge acquisition. It's about practical application. It's what you do with what you know. And so this is really, I believe, what we've got to be focused on. And practical application is really seeking God with humility. And when we seek God with humility, it's going to lead to the inheritance. And I don't know about you, but I want an inheritance from the Lord. I want all that God has. I want all that God has for my family, all that God has for the ministry, all that God has for us personally. And I'm telling you, I just want to keep applying what I know. I never want to get to the place where, listen, I'm a pastor and I've heard the sermons before and I've read the Bible before and I've done these things before, but I'm never going to get over the fact that Jesus has something fresh and new today. He wants to speak to us today and we got to, we got to do something with what we are receiving. And so I love Jesus. He is the inheritance. He's the overflow. Watch this Matthew chapter five, verse eight. It says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure for they will see God. And I want to encourage you cornerstone. I I really, I almost wanted to title this long-term revival. This message almost was called long-term revival because what I want to do tonight is this closing session is I want to teach you how to carry this revival with you beyond the service. I want, to, I want you to be revived next month and three months from now and a year from now and five years from now. Listen, you know what I believe? I believe that the Christians who have been saved for 50 years can be the ones that are burning the brightest for Jesus. I believe that's, that's what God wants for us. We don't have to just turn into stingy Christians that know it all. Hello? And I think there's a temptation, if we've been following God for a long time, just be like, bless God, I know all this stuff. Well, I I feel like it's like, bless God, I'm going to apply all this stuff. And I'm going to apply it today. And I'm going to apply it tomorrow. And I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to keep honoring the Lord and seeking the Lord with humility. And I'm telling you, if we will do that, God will pour out his spirit Let's keep going. Verse 25, it says, so Moses cried out to the Lord for help and God showed him a piece of wood. Okay. All right. Hold up. We got to, we got to understand what's going on. Remember Israel, there's a lot of, a lot of people and they get to this place, Mara, and they're crying out. They're, they, they're thirsty. They're, they're like dying of thirst. And so Moses cries out to the Lord for help. He's crying out for, for humility. 
and God shows him a stick. I don't know about you, but I might have been like, uh, hey, God, I was hoping for some water. A stick? What is a stick gonna do? Hello, somebody. Like, what, God, what, what is going on? And here's what I, I want you to see. Number two is this. What God shows you has the potential to shape you. What God shows you has the potential to shape you. It's, it's just a tree branch. And, and church, listen to me. Listen, listen. We tend to minimize what's not miraculous. If it's not miraculous, it's like uh, a stick. Thanks, Jesus. I, I appreciate the stick, but I needed water. So I guess you're not in this thing. But we tend to minimize it if it's not miraculous. But if you look at the Bible... Jesus is showing people sticks all the time. Like there was a financially broke woman in the Old Testament and she's, she needs gold is what she needs. She literally needs gold. But you know what God shows her? Some empty jars. Go borrow some empty jars from your neighbors. Hey God, that's pretty cool that you want me to get some jars, but I need some gold. I'm broke. Not some jars. Right? You, you guys know this. And then obviously she borrows these jars. God fills them with oil and she sells the oil and God meets her needs. The disciples, <laughs> oh, this is, this is good. There's like 20,000 people and, uh, and Jesus is like, hey, I want you to feed the people. And God shows them a boy with a paper sack lunch. Okay, Jesus, thank you. I, I, hey, I'm glad this kid's got some lunch, but we need a Chick-fil-A. We need a double drive-through. Like, I'm talking, we need some food. Not, not like a couple loaves and some fish. But of course, God does something with, with this stick, in a sense. You see what I'm saying? The, the fishermen, I mean, these are professional fishers. Jesus is like, hey, I think you should throw the nets on the other side. Now, come on. I mean... Listen, I'm not the biggest fisher, but I could say, okay, Lord, all right, we've been fishing right here. Sure, I'll go 10 feet over here, and I'll drop the nets here. I mean, that's a stick. God showed him a stick. I mean, like, what in the world? But here's the thing. What God shows you has the potential to shape you. The question is, what is God showing you? What is it that God is showing you? And here's what I want to say to you. I'm telling you, this is a revelation that I feel like can transform lives tonight. Is we need to look for the sticks. We need to look for the small things that God's showing us and not just the miraculous. So I want to do this. I want to take a detour. Some of you note takers are going to be frustrated for five minutes. Okay, I'm just telling you. I'm warning you right now. All right, but, but I want to show you some of the sticks that God was showing me. This is, um, as you know, prepping for this message in a, probably a five-day span of time, I started seeing some sticks in the Word of God. And I just want, I just want to tell you some of these different sticks. So this, this is a detour, but we're going to bring it back, okay, you note-takers? All right, here we are. Ezra chapter 3, I was reading Israel. They built the foundation of the temple. They're building a temple, and all they did is the foundation. Now, I remember, I remember Pastor Tim, when we were out here, and we built, uh, I can't take credit. Other people built the foundation of the IC. But I remember, I mean, even the foundation, I was so excited. They're digging the trench, pouring the stuff. I was so pumped. Okay, so that's what's happening right here. 
And in verse, verse 10, Ezra 3, it says, when the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, it says, then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. They wept aloud. Others were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in a loud noise that could be heard in a far off distance. And oh my goodness, as I was reading this, like this is what God was showing me. Because with Rooted in our, our capital campaign to raise money and to uh, purchase this building, you know what? It's like the foundation has been laid. We've acquired this property. We're going to get in it in five months. There's a lot of work to do. But I feel like what God was showing me is you got to celebrate. The foundation has been laid. So we have been partying at every turn. We're like, you want some dessert? Great. You want to go out to eat? Let's do it. You want, I mean, we are celebrating like crazy. God's showing me we've got to celebrate these small things. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Pastor Luke was talking about this. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I love that verse. But check out what it says in the very next verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. It says this, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. And in verse 12, it says, and we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can watch this, know the wonderful things God has freely given us. But we understand these things. For we have the mind of Christ. And what has God shown me? He's showing me that if I pursue him and I chase after him, he can show me the deep secrets, the things that no mind has even thought of. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined. And I believe that God wants to do that for you as well. All it was, it was a stick. It wasn't the miraculous. It was kind of like a stick, but there was other things. In Ezra chapter four, and by the way, I think some of this could be like words from the Lord as I say these. In Ezra 4, they were, they were moving on a God prompting. And what God showed me was don't wait for the approval when God has given you permission. In Ezra chapter 6, I was reading and they celebrated more when the temple was uh, completed. So we're going to keep celebrating. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, each of us did the work that the Lord gave us. And what the Lord was showing me is God, let me be faithful to what you've given me. And later in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, God was showing me to take my place in spiritual authority and not to shrink back. In Ezra chapter 8, it says, I felt encouraged because the gracious hand of the Lord was on me. The Lord was showing me, Jacob, my hand is on you. But these are sticks. These are small things. These 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 are just little things here. 1 Corinthians 4, for the kingdom of God is, is not just a lot of talk, but it's living by God's power. God's showing me I got to live by the power of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is talking about running from sexual sin and it's constant reminder towards purity. I mean, I could just go on and on and on. Just one more. Psalms 31, David, he was talking about how sin has drained his strength. And a lot of times I think what God was showing me is we are drained and stressed in life, not because everything we're doing, but what we're carrying, the sin we're carrying, how we're carrying it. But do you see what I'm saying? It's like when people say, man, I just, Pastor Jay, I, man, I just don't hear the Lord. I'm not hearing the Lord. Well, what I want to say to them is, man, you just open up the word of God and you don't have to look for the miraculous. Just look for the sticks. 
Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Hello, somebody. And I want you to know this because the enemy says you can't hear the voice of the Lord. You, you know what? You, you, you don't know enough about the Bible. You can't hear the voice of the Lord. I'm here to tell you, you can hear the voice of the Lord. You can hear it loud and clear. If you look in the word of God for the sticks, God's going to show up and he's going to do something amazing. So what is God showing you? Maybe it's to bless your spouse in a specific way. Maybe it's to change your attitude. Maybe it's to seek God with a structured plan. Some of you just kind of like read the Bible once in a while. I want to encourage you. It's kind of like packing your gym bag. If you pack the gym bag the night before, you just kind of get to the gym somehow. And I want you to pack your spiritual gym bag, if you will. Get your Bible ready. Get that devotional book ready. Get your, your notebook out. Whatever you're going to do, set the time aside. This is where it's going to be. And, and we, we've got to do some of these small things. Maybe, maybe God's showing you to get your finances in order or to forgive somebody or to stop a bad habit. See, we got to read this again. Verse 25. In the New King James Version, it says this. So he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. So this is amazing because if you think about it, Moses didn't minimize the stick. I don't know about you. I might've minimized the stick, but the last time Moses, God showed Moses a stick. It was at the burning bush. Y'all remember this. And God says, what is that in your hand? And he's like, is a stick. I mean, God's all about the stick. It's just the small things. It's the little things. What's in your hand? A stick. And he says, great, throw it on the ground. He throws it on the ground. It becomes a snake. Then he picks it back up. It turns into a stick again. See, Moses is not going to minimize what God is showing him. But again, the question is, what's a tree branch going to do? See, what's a tree branch going to do? When you think about it, a lot can be done with a tree branch. Hello, somebody. Jesus can do a lot with a tree. We might want to minimize what can happen with a tree branch. We were looking for the miraculous. God, I needed you to meet this need. What's going on? You showed me this thing. And I want you to know that what God shows you has the potential to shape you. But you can't minimize the little things. You can't minimize the small thing you found in the scripture. God wants to show up. And I'm telling you, what he shows you has the potential to shape you, to change everything, to change your circumstance, to change it all. Oh my goodness, what God shows you has the potential to shape you. I'm telling you, Cornerstone, God wants to speak to every one of you. You don't have to be following God for four years and go through five Bible classes. I mean, he can speak to you right now. He can show up in your circumstance right now. And what he's going to show you might sound to some like a small thing, but it ain't a small thing. Let's keep going. Verse 25, Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood and Moses threw it into the water and made the water good to drink. So check this out. Moses, he receives this revelation, right? He, he receives this revelation. God shows him a stick. But the key of this whole thing is that he did something with what he received. 
So number three, we're talking about unlocking personal revival. Number three is this, release the revelation. You got to put some action behind what you receive. See, watch this. The miracle doesn't come from receiving the revelation. It comes from releasing the revelation. You know what I believe? I believe that God is showing up and he's given revelations. Oh my goodness, I'm thinking about this, these revival services. You guys have been rolling for three weeks. God has showed up. He's been speaking to you. It's not just about what you've heard. It's about what you do with what you heard. It's about releasing the revelation. And Jesus told this crippled man, hey, pick up your mat and walk. He tells him to get up. So when is this man healed? When he starts to get up and walk. Jesus told a man with leprosy, go and wash seven times. Again, it's a stick. Jesus, I got a rash. What am I doing? And listen, I've been, I've already tried that. The Jordan River, it's great, but it's not going to wash this thing off. When does he get healed? It's when he releases the revelation. And again, Jesus told his disciples to fish on the other side of the boat. It wasn't just the fact that Jesus told them, hey, you need to, uh, you, you just need to throw on the other side of the boat. It was when they released the revelation. And Cornerstone, listen, God wants to move on your behalf, but you've got to release the revelation. And I want to tell you a little bit more about our building miracle. So it's kind of funny because um, just imagine all of us are at Thrive Church, okay? And this is what happens. People would come up to Hannah and I all the time and they would say, um, they'd come to our portable thing. We're setting up, tearing down a lot of them, you know, working, serving, all this thing. And they'd come up to me and, and usually a new person would say this. I, I mean, seriously, this almost happened every week. They'd come up and they'd stutter and they would stumble and it would all, it'd be the same message almost every week. Hey, um, Pastor Jacob, have you, uh, have you ever thought about getting in a building? You know, I've, I've heard this like hundreds of times and there's like two responses. You know, I mean, one is the pastoral response. That's a great idea. You know, we're praying about that. And the other one just wants to, you know, just do a flesh, fleshly response in that moment. But I mean, we've been dreaming about a building ever since we moved out there. We want, uh, yeah, obviously we want a church. We don't want to be homeless. What's wrong with you? You know, and so, of course, we want to build in. And so, but the thing is, is there was a little bit of a gap between where we were and where we needed to be because we needed to raise a lot of money. And we need, I mean, you guys have been all along this journey. I mean, we needed, we needed a lot of money. We didn't, listen, it was going to take, we, we figured this out. If we were going to get just, you know, something, it was probably going to take us 10 to 15 more years if we were going to save up for this thing. 10 to 15 more years of being portable. I'm like, okay, God, I'm following you anywhere, but I don't know about that. Lord, forgive me. I'd do it. I'd do it. Okay, anyways, but a um, little moment of confession on the stage. But in 2019, it was January 2019, and the Lord spoke to me and said this, now is the time. Now is the time. And I got to tell you, I got excited and I was freaked out all at the same time. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Now's the time. God, you're speaking to me. Now what? How am I going to do this? 
And I knew he was saying, now is the time. I want you to, you know, I want you to pursue a permanent facility. And so we started talking to people, capital campaign people, talking to in-law. I mean, we're, we're trying to figure this thing out. And, and, um, I gotta be honest though. This was one of those giants that was in my life. This was one of the biggest giants that was in my life. The enemy was taunting me saying, you can't, you can't get there. You can't get from here to there. You're not going to be able, there's no way you can bridge this gap. How are you going to raise a million dollars? How are you going to, how are you going to buy something like that? You can't, you can't do it. I'm telling you, the enemy has been taunting me for years. I'm telling you, if Hannah was up here, put my hand in the Bible, I'm telling you, the enemy has been taunting me for years, but God was saying, now is the time. It's like God was showing me a stick. He was saying, he, he gave me a revelation. And so we had to step out and overcome some fear. And we had to step out with vision. And so we started to cast vision to leaders. It was towards the end of 2019. We put some brochures together and we put these brochures together and um, we didn't have a land. We didn't have any land. We didn't have no building. We were just saying, give to something that doesn't exist. Why? Because God said now is the time. We need to get ready to jump on this opportunity. And, and so we, we began to go for it. And like I said this morning, I mean, it was a brilliant plan. We launched this thing on March 1st, 2020. And so we, it was a great time to launch a capital campaign. I'm just saying. And so we launched this thing and, and, um, and, but we just, we just said, you know what, God, we're going to trust you. I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how you're going to come through but we're going to trust you. You said now is the time. You showed us a stick. We're not just going to hold on to it. We're, we're going to release this thing. And I remember as I started going along, the giant started to fall. I began to get more and more bold. This last round of one-on-ones, I'm meeting with givers. And it was funny because we had to raise 650000 in six weeks. Now for us, that's quite a bit of money. Okay, so we ended up needing $1.25 million. But we already had some raised and we needed to get 650000 in six weeks. And I remember talking to some people and some people were like, Pastor, you crazy. Like, how's that going to happen? Literally, that, we were in meetings with that, that type of response. But I was getting bolder and bolder and bolder. And finally, by the end of this thing, if people, you know, I'd meet with these people and if they said, we can't give right now, I'd say, don't even worry about it. God's going to come through. I don't even know how it's going to happen, but God is going to come through. He is going to come through. He is going to come through. And here's the thing. I had to release the revelation to see the revival. I wasn't going to see God move until I released the revelation. And I feel like some of us in this room were holding on to a revelation that was never meant to be held. It was meant to be held for one second and thrown into the water because when we release the revelation, that's when the miracle comes. And I believe that God is calling us to release the revelation. And oh my goodness, I just got to tell you, God is in all the details. So I don't even know if I told you this, but here's some, some crazy things about this building. So the address is uh, 98, year I graduated, 30, my favorite number. And across the street, this is the truth, literally, Thrive Church is here, diagonal is Cornerstone Church. No lie, check out this picture. This is, do we got a picture we can throw up on the screen? Look at this. There is literally a Cornerstone Church right kitty corner from our, I'm telling you, God is in all these details, 
But this miracle would have never happened if we held the revelation. What if we, I mean, Hannah, what if we literally would have just said, Lord, thank you. Now's the time. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that revelation. But isn't that what we do a lot of times? Yeah, thank you, Lord, for that revelation. It was never meant to be kept. It was meant to be released. The miracle always comes when it is released. Check this out. Verse 15, uh, chapter 15, uh, 25 in the New King James Version. It says, so he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And I believe that God wants to turn some bitterness, some, some rough, uh, rough things in your life. And he wants to make them sweet right here and even tonight. And one thing I know is that revival is stopped when we refuse to release the revelation. Are you hearing me? I'm preaching truth here. Because God's going to show you a small thing. Let me ask you something. Would the woman who needed the money got the jars filled if she, if she got the revelation to go get the jars but never got the jars? She got the jars and God supernaturally filled. And I'm telling you, you got to release the revelation. So... Cornerstone Church, what is God showing you? 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 And I just, I, I feel like I have a word for somebody here. And it's, it's in this verse 27, Exodus 15. After leaving Mara, the Israelites traveled on to the oasis of Elam, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees And they camped there beside the water. I didn't even give this to the team. This is a last minute addition. But I'm adding a a point four right now. And it's God is putting the spring in your steps. God is putting a spring in your steps. There's double meaning here. Because when they left Mara, nine miles around the corner was Elam. And Elam had 12 springs and 70 palm trees. And I believe what God is saying is that he is going to put the refreshing in your steps. He's going to put the spring in your steps. And some of you, maybe you don't have the spring in your step anymore. You're just kind of spiritually lethargic. And I believe that God wants to put the spring in your step again. The spring of the Holy Spirit. The spring of of his revival on the inside of you here today. Amen, somebody? He wants to put it on the inside of you. You've got to keep moving to see long-term revival. And I believe that miraculous is waiting on your movement. I want to encourage you, Cornerstone, to keep pressing in, keep growing, keep going. If you think, here's another example, David in the, in the Old Testament. So if you, if you read that story where he kills Goliath, you guys know the story. He's got the sling, he's got the stone, he, he's winding it, and he hits, hits him right in the forehead. And if you read this in 1 Samuel 17, verse 51, so he strikes him in the forehead And we could get into a a theological debate if you wanted to, but he strikes him in the forehead. He falls over. But the Bible says in verse 51 that he takes out a sword. Now, he didn't bring a sword into battle. You know that, right? He just had a sling. Whose sword did he pull out? It was Goliath's sword. 
And the Bible says he pulls out the sword, cuts off his head, and kills him. Listen to me. I'm telling you, the sword is in your steps. God is going to provide what you need when you start moving, when you start going, when you start trusting him, when you take the stick and you say, God, I'm not going to minimize it, but I'm going to release it. I'm telling you, revival is in your steps. God is going to pour out his spirit in your steps. There's more to discover in the Lord. 12 springs, 70 palm palm trees. And I just want to I want to conclude, and I'm so excited about this final moment of response. You guys have been poured into so much, and I'm so excited, but there's, there's time for one more pressing in. Cornerstone, are you with me? Are you with me? And so in just a moment, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this message, and I'm excited. I'm really excited about what God's going to do. I, I believe, and I'm praying that this is going to be a marking moment, a crossing over moment. But before we do, I want to pray for anybody who needs to get right with God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I just want to know if there's anybody here today and you just need to get right with God today. You know, I love Luke 15 where Jesus, he's really illustrating his heart towards people that are far from him. And this person that's far from him decides to come home, doesn't know how his father's going to react, if he's going to reject him or what. The father takes off running to this lost son. If you find yourself far away from God, I want you to know he's running to you tonight. He is literally running to you tonight. And if that's you, anybody here, you never know. If that's you, I just need to get right with God today. Would you just lift your hand right now? I need to get right with God today. Tonight is my night. I need to get right with God today. Church, would you pray this prayer after me? Pray it to God. He's going to hear you from heaven and forgive you of your sins. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. From this moment on, I choose to follow you. I believe you died on the cross and you rose again to forgive me of my sins. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Church, are you ready? Are you ready? So we're talking about unlocking personal revival. We talked about humility. We talked about what God shows you. We talked about acting on the revelation and how God puts the spring in your steps. And I wanna make a call for two types of people tonight. And if you're comfortable, you come forward. If not, you're gonna stand to your feet. God can meet you either place. But here's what I, the two things. One is if you need God to show you something, you need God to show up to show you something, I want you to stand up or come forward for that. Some of you in this place, you might feel like, man, I need God to show me something. I got this, this thing I'm praying about. I need God to show me something. I want you to come forward. And number two, I believe that this is gonna hit a lot of us, that you tonight are committing to act on a revelation that God has already given you. And I literally had a picture in my heart. It's almost like we've all been called to run a race and we've been talking about the race and we've been thinking about the race. But what God is saying tonight is, I know you know about the race, but I need you to actually 
run the race that I've called you to race. What is that race? I don't know. What has he shown you? What has he revealed to you? What's that revelation? And tonight, what you're saying is you come forward is you're saying tonight, I'm going to release the revelation that I've received. I believe that God has given you some revelation even at these revival services. But what God is saying tonight, it's time to release this revelation. It's time to put some action behind what I've called you to do. And if that hits either one of you, I either want you to stand your feet or come down front right now. Come now, come now, come now. If that's you. God, I want to commit to act on the revelation that God, you have given me. Come on, come on, Cornerstone. Come on. This is a moment. This is a big moment. Thank you, Jesus. I see an army here tonight. I see an army here tonight. This is an army assembling. I see a powerful church an incredibly powerful church. I see people who are free. I see people who are released to their destiny tonight. I see people who are released from fear tonight. I see people who are running the race that God has called them to run. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Are you guys ready to worship? Are you guys ready? This song, I love this song. Even when I don't see it, you're working. And what you're saying is I'm committing to act on the revelation even before I see the, the miraculous part of that revelation. I'm just going to run. I'm going to go. I'm going to do it because I know you're working, God. You're good. And you're going to break through. And you're going to do what you want to do. But I'm committing to act on the revelation. Come on, Cornerstone. Let's worship tonight. Come on. Even when I don't see it. 